And we're live. I think we're live. I do this every time. Welcome to the Jonathan Kogan Show. We got a big show. Why? Because this is episode 100. Can you believe it? Can you believe it? I, like, let me think. Hold on. I can believe it, but it's hard for me to believe. It's like, it. It's so many hours are put into this. Every single waking hour of my life. But when I think about it and I think a hundred, that's a lot of episodes, 100 episodes, like a hundred times going live or thinking we're going live or going live on some platforms when we're banned from Facebook and then other times when we're banned from Twitter and then other times when we're banned from YouTube, you know, you know what I mean by going live. I just mean by recording because we get banned because we tell the truth. 100 episodes. So to celebrate this amazing accomplishment, which yes, you know, when you do good things, Okay. It's okay to be proud of your achievements. It's not self-absorbed. In fact, I'm not very, actually, I I take that back. I'm pretty selfish. But um, my point is, is that you should be proud of doing good work. You know, it is, you should be proud to know when you're wrong about something. And I'm not saying you are wrong about anything, but when you're wrong about a situation and you recognize you made an error, it's okay to be like, you know what? I was wrong. I apologize for my actions or I apologize for what I said. And listen, I can only control the future and what I do now. I can only control my thoughts and my actions. I made a mistake. I made an error and I want to move forward on the right foot. And I'm sorry for what I did in the past. Why is that so difficult for not only the powers that be, the politicians, the mainstream media, why is that so difficult for individuals to do? I don't get it. I feel like it's much harder to extend the period of time in which you know you're on the wrong side of history or that you made a mistake, yet you refuse to acknowledge it or you like ignore that it ever happened and you just continue like everyone else just forgot. That's not a good strategy. In fact, not only is that not beneficial to you, it's not beneficial to anybody in the relationship. It's just very, very bad. You want to clear the air and you want to start fresh. We all make mistakes. When I make mistakes on this podcast, what do I do on the next podcast? I tell you, guess what? I made a mistake. And what does that do? It builds trust. It builds an authentic relationship, a human relationship, which in this era, as technology is progressing at an ever faster rate, it is so crucial to have meaningful human relationships of people you can depend on, especially in times of crises, especially in times when you don't know what you can trust and what you can't trust. You know, you don't know who's spilling propaganda, but if you know that someone is always reliable and you know that they're trustworthy, where they'll admit when they're wrong and they're consistent about that, then you know you can go to them and you have 10 of those people, well, then you're good. You're good. They'll check you when, you know, you're out of line and you do the same. You keep each other accountable. Accountability is the bedrock to our civilization, culture, and society. Accountability is so vital to not only the human race, but for us to function in a cohesive, positive manner. So when I say that people need to be held accountable, of course they do. And, but you should want to be held accountable because that's how you grow. That is how you improve. That is how your life becomes better. That is how we excel as humans. And unless you're anti-human, which there are people that are anti-human, but not many, 
You know, we know who they are. They're on black. You know, the best I'm going to get it. We have a crazy episode, by the way. I have two hilarious videos. Then I got an amazing trailer about the real Anthony Fauci to play, which you got. We're celebrating the 100th anniversary of heroes like Bobby Kennedy Jr., all this stuff. And then um, uh, I have, you know, we complain a lot. We, we, we point out all the clown world nonsense, bad things and, you know, weird things that are going on in the world. But this episode's different. Because this episode includes solutions. I am proposing solutions at the end of this episode. Very good solution. Actually, solutions. And you decide if they're good solutions or not. But we are starting to propose solutions because we can go on all day. I can have a podcast. I have so much content from literally just the past two years of clown worldness that I can have a daily podcast for the next 465 million millennias. Whatever that is. It's a very large number. What is that? 465,000 or something? Does that even make sense? I don't even know. But enough for the rest of my lifetime. But that is not what I want to do. That's not why I do this. I do this because I literally want mankind, or as Kamala would say, womankind. But just so you know, mankind includes womankind. That's the point. But um, listen, we're pro any kind. I don't care. I do not care. You know that by now. If you're new to this podcast, welcome. Welcome. You made it to the 100th episode. It's a big, big, big milestone for us. So uh, we're going to start pros- proposing solutions. So after the past two years, if I said to you, what industry probably profited the most off of the past two years, which industry or companies really flourished over the past two years with the help of propaganda, coercion, and a bunch of anti-scientific propaganda methods? Would you say Walmart? Would you say BP? Would you say Pfizer? Pfizer. Bing. Okay. So you will not believe. I can't believe this video is real. I'm going to play it multiple times. This is unbelievable. Why this didn't get more attention, I will never know. This is unreal. The, and this is what I wanted to say. The best, you got to look at the positive things that come out of this. And I know I'm rambling a little bit, but this is important. The best thing about this, what we went through and are unfortunately still going through because accountability is seemingly being avoided very intentionally which is just a bad strategy for those avoiding it, but whatever. It'll come because that's what happens. The truth always prevails. Sometimes it takes time. Actually, it always takes a lot of time. So the best thing about this time is it is clearly exposed who is either a big pharma shill, who is a complete sellout, who will take money for to do anything and say anything for their own benefit, and who sticks to their morals and their principles and are authentic and care about all people and really want the best. It is literally separate in my eyes. I I'm really good at understanding human behavior. So maybe it's easier for me to see, but it it has totally separated society into like who wants good for the world. And like, who's just trying to elevate their own position for like power. And it was so easy. It's so easy to see. It's just so easy to see. So it's very nice. It's very nice to know. I could just discount a, you know, decent amount of people were like, I, if they saw it now, like the reputation the is done. It's over. Listen, I'll forgive you. I'm, I'm all about forgiveness, of course. Because if you don't forgive someone, that's on you. That hurts you, not the other person. It hurts yourself. So forgiving is a good idea. It's a good strategy. Okay? 
but it's so easy to tell who I can trust and who I can't trust. So it's really nice. A lot of people I thought I could trust, I, I can't believe I trusted them. So it's really nice. It cleared the air. So first video, I got three videos and then a solution. First video, this is real. This is a debate. Let me pull this up. If you're watching this on Rumble. Oh, by the way, subscribe to the John the Kogan Show. Go to Rumble. Channel is Ownership Economy. Search the John the Kogan Show. I'm sure it will come up. And uh, subscribe, Spotify, share with someone. And, you know, I don't want to. Listen, I'm not a pitch kind of person. I am a do the right thing, tell the truth, bring credible sources, and give you the information and let you live your life and do with what, what you want with the information. If you like it, I know you'll share it. And if you don't like it, you'll never listen again. So, and we will never monetize off Big Pharma. We will only monetize off of the community. So here we go. Let's get into it. This is on a bunch of different tweets. This one's from Daily Caller. It's Representative Angie Craig. She says, wait until you hear this. This is, I'm going to play this multiple times. This is amazing. Listen to this in her debate. This is real. This is real. She's in a debate and she literally said this. And I'm going to play this multiple times because you're not going to believe your ears. In fact, just wait. Here we go. I will never stop standing up for Big Pharma and standing against my constituents. Thank you. I will never stop standing up for Big Pharma. <laughs> I got to do it one more time. Listen closely. This is, this is real. This is real. This was in her debate. This is what she said. She's trying to get elected. You have to listen to this. Here we go again. Thank you. I will never stop standing up for Big Pharma and standing. Oh, my God. That is talk about being authentic. Mad respect, Angie. How you can vote for her. I listen, I don't care who you vote for, but like what kind of what kind of, what kind of you get elected by constituents and you're saying I will stand up for Big Pharma, who has totally rotted society for the past two years, according to Dr. Seema Ultra, they are psychopaths. They have a business model of psychopaths. And maybe Dr. Asima Holtra will come on the pod. Um, if you're listening to this, Dr. Maholtra, we'd love to have you. There's, they operate like psychopaths. They budget in deaths and like massive problems, like with uh, Shantix or whatever. They're like, two billion will die, but we'll make six billion. We'll be good. This is, you know, I got to play this one more time. This is fat. Does this not blow your mind? Am I alone on this? Maybe I'm just so caught up in this whole thing that like maybe this is not as crazy as I think it is, but I'm playing it one more time. Here we go. I will never stop standing up for big pharma and standing against my constituents. Thank you. I will never stop standing up for big pharma and standing against my constituents. Oh my God. That is a phenomenal. You have to admit after the past two years for someone, for a politician to say that, to get elected, I'm speechless. I'm speechless. That's un for the hundredth episode that just encapsulates everything that has occurred the past two years. And literally, literally what she said is why I started the Jonathan Cogan show, because I don't have constituents, but I'm standing up for those people, the people who are scared to speak out because they created an atmosphere of fear, 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 you know, People who couldn't 
get recognized when they try to do the right thing for the quote unquote greater good to stop the spread. And then because their body acted differently than someone else's and they had an adverse event that then they went to the very same people who administered that medication into them. And then they rejected them as saying that you are only feeling that adverse event because it's in your head or you have anxiety or do not come back to us or silence them. I could not live with myself if you did not give those people a voice. That is so twisted. I don't even know how one can live knowing that they suppressed those voices. Listen, it's also standing up for the people who wouldn't speak out for their own, you know, they didn't want to take something and then they had to take it. And that's another part of it. But the people who did do it because they trusted you and their body simply acted differently and had an adverse event and then you shun them. Disgraceful. That's just not okay. Now, can you apologize and come forward? Yes, of course. Of course. You still have some time before the nuclear war starts. You got about three weeks probably. Okay? After then, you'll really be off the hook. And that's what I'm most feel fearful for. This is such a massive, massive anti-science campaign that's been propagated on us that I think they're going to avoid it at all costs. That's why we're being pre-programmed for a nuclear war. You know, a contained nuclear war. Like, it's crazy. It's going to heat up. Supposedly, the threat, I'm not trying to get off topic, but it went from 1% to 5% like three months ago to 25 to 30% is what I saw. Can't cite the source, though. Okay. So I want to stay on topic, though, with, with Big Pharma because we're celebrating the 100th episode and how messed up our current system is and solutions. So here is, and you've probably already seen this one, but just on part with what that lady said, this is Biden. Talking about how in the year that Big Pharma had the greatest gross revenue, over $100 billion or $100 billion ever in the history of Big Pharma, ever, ever, most profits, most success, most uh, uh, um, wealth transfer, or wealth, uh, whatever, wealth transfer from the, the U.S. government treasury, treasuries that they drained up to Bill Gates and his buddies. And then he says this, and it just blows my mind. You heard that first one, and then you got this from the sitting president of the United States. Not this year. We beat Pharma this year. We beat Pharma this year, and it matters. We're going to change people's lives. We finally beat Pharma. What? Last several what? 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 <laughs> what is going on? What is going on? I almost feel like I'm not, I'm in like another dimension now that, that, that this world is all simulated. We, there, there has to be a possibility we're in a simulation. This is just too crazy. This is nuts. Okay. So those two clips are real. Okay. So let's just, just, let's just sit on that. Okay. Unreal. Fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Now, in honor of the 100th episode, a great documentary is coming out. You may not know about it. And because you might not know about it, that's why I want to share it with you because I get, I sift through more information than you probably go through in three years every day for you because the truth needs to get all the way out of this information war, which we are in. We are in an information war. Please recognize there is an information war at hand. Okay. 
There's also kinetic war, uh, you know, out in Ukraine, but there's an, in, the big war is called fifth generation warfare and information war. Okay. So we have to recognize that we need to come to terms with that. And then we need to get the truth out to all the people. And so if you didn't read the book, one of the most monumental books of the past, definitely the past two years, if not the most, the real Anthony Fauci, which I highly suggest you read. Here is the trailer of the real Anthony Fauci that I believe comes out in two days, in two days. And uh, it's free for everybody because Bobby Kane Jr. just does that. And, um, you know, they can't suppress everything. So take a listen or watch and um, we'll take it on the other side. Here we go. Very word secrecy in a free and open society. Dangers of excessive and unwarranted concealment of pertinent facts far outweigh the dangers which are cited to justify it. This book is a product of my own struggle to understand how the idealistic institutions our country built to safeguard both public health and democracy suddenly turned against our citizens and our values with such violence. I am a lifelong Democrat whose family has had 80 years of deep engagement with America's public health bureaucracy and long friendships with key federal regulators, including Anthony Fauci, Francis Collins, and Robert Gallo. Members of my family wrote many of the statutes under which these men governed. They nurtured the growth of equitable and effective public health policies and defended that regulatory bulwark against ferocious attacks funded by industry. I built my own alliances with these individuals and their agencies during my years of environmental and public health advocacy. But I also watched how the industry, supposedly being regulated, used its indentured servants on Capitol Hill and its financial clout to systematically hollow out those agencies beginning in the 1980s, disabling their regulatory function and transforming them into sock puppets for the very industry Congress charged them with regulating. I explore the carefully planned militarization and monetization of medicine that has left American health ailing and our democracy shattered. I chronicle the troubling role of the dangerously concentrated mainstream media. You're really attacking not only Dr. Anthony Fauci, you're attacking science. Big tech rubber parents, the military and intelligence communities, and their deep historical alliance with Big Pharma and the public health agencies. The disturbing story that unfolds here has never been told and many in power have worked hard to prevent the public from learning. The principal character is Anthony Fauci. Well, isn't that something? And by the way, he's got something wrong with his voice. So if you didn't, if you never heard him before, that's why. So that's going to be juicy. That's going to be interesting. Now, 
I want to get, he talked about, I want to get into solutions. Okay. I want to get into solutions. I got some notes here. Solutions. Okay. So let's talk about solutions. What is the most important innovation, technological innovation that we can tackle? And especially now because of what we have learned here are some things I have for the solution. Investigative journalism on the American regulatory state. Okay. Because like a Pulitzer prize you can think of. Okay. Most people can't even name someone at the department of interior or FDA, but you can name, you know, tech company leaders, right? However, regulatory harmonization is the single most important technolo technological problem to solve. Regulatory harmonization, okay? So basically when faceless regulators choke the world, the rest of the world off from regulation, kind of like, think of like a Facebook login, right? Where basically a smaller country, okay, outsources their regulation to the United States or the FDA. Because you want to only have, if you're a businessman, businesswoman, you want to essentially only get one FDA approval when you're trying to come out with something like a vaccine or something quickly, and you are incentivized to have a common market worldwide. So what does this essentially do, this regulatory harmonization? Well, it leads us to where we're at now, which is it has put the FDA and big pharma on the same side. And you can argue at some point this was a net good, right? To have a global scalable platform like the App Store, the Google Store, Google Play Store. But then it became a problem because the regulatory body that is supposed to keep accountable, that's the theme today, accountability on the business, on Big Farm in this case, ended up being on the same team. So then there is no regulation. So essentially... The proposal is to have a prize, like a Pulitzer Prize, that's upstream from technology for examples of regulatory abuse to incentivize journalists to become a to to have a watchdog prize on regulators, right? To have um, someone to be able to be recognized for this work, because these regulatory agencies. Okay, have something called Douglas factors, which is essentially like Miranda rights, which means you can't be fired except if they bring the agency into disrepute, which means they don't get fired. They just keep appealing. It's a huge problem. They have career tenure. They're anonymous. And the most important part is the media doesn't hold them accountable because you simply don't even know who they are. Okay, so the problem is and a clear example of this problem is there's much more investigative journalism on Theranos than there is on FDA corruption. So if we have something that has some monetary incentive and a prize like a respected Pulitzer prize, that is investigative journalism on the American regulatory state. Well, then we can solve the problem of regulatory harmonization. We can solve a lot of, this is at least a step in the right direction to solve a lot of the problems that we have faced over the past, you know, I mean, honestly, decades, but that's been very clear since, you know, that thing, since the pandemic. What do you think? Does it make sense?
If it doesn't make sense, I got this from, from Bology, okay? And, and Peter Dramandis, what was that his name? And in fact, I'm just going to play it. I'm going to play for you this audio clip. And it's basically what I just said, but I'm going to have it just played because I want you to really understand and see what you think. Because he comes up with some good ideas, and I'll end it with this. And I'll just play the clip, and it's going to be on the same thing I just said, so you can stop the pod if you want. And please, go to patreon.com forward slash ownership economy. Sign up. I'd appreciate it. It'd be amazing. It would support the work. And I I love you the same no matter what. So I'm not going to say I love you more because it's a lie. I max. I am totally maxed out on how much I care for you if you're listening to this. Uh, genuinely, that's the truth. Um, but I'm going to play this clip for you. So please go to patreon.com forward slash ownership economy. Share this with a friend. But here's the clip on what I just said for an incentive on what we can do, on what we can solve. Um, and, you know, it's audio, so you don't need to, if you're watching this, not so important. But, um, you know, what do you think? What do you think about this? I thought it was interesting, and I thought it was really relevant to uh, to today's time. And uh, I might have lost it. That's interesting. Hmm. Oh, here we go. Here we go. So this is from Moonshots and Mindsets with Peter Diamandis and Balaji you know Balaji. Here we go. Investigative journalism on the American regulatory state. Okay. Why? This is actually upstream of lots and lots of stuff to an extent that people don't get. Um, essentially, um, the, you know, for example, most people cannot even name somebody at the Department of the Interior or, you know, uh, the, the FDA, right? And you can name all the people who run giant tech companies, Right. And so there isn't a face, there isn't, there are people who are making decisions here. There's something called harmonization. Regulatory harmonization is the single most important problem to solve in technology, in my view. What is harmonization? It is the process by which unelected and unfireable and anonymous U.S. regulators impose regulation. driving everything. Yeah, they, they choke off regulation for the entire world. And the way to think about it is just like a small company might use Facebook login, rather than implementing login themselves, a small country, okay, um, might outsource their regulation to the U.S. They've got 10 million people in, you know, the Czech Republic or something. That many of the many nations follow the FDA, the FAA's guidance. Yes, and this is the actually it's it is you know quote big government, but it's also big pharma. Why? It, it makes sense if you're a businessman because. You spend all this effort getting an FDA approval, right? And then you don't want to get a zillion other approvals from all these other countries around the world with their own Picayune regulations. Instead, what you want is one approval, one bar to clear, and then you've got a common market worldwide, right? So that puts both the FDA and the lobbyists from pharma on the same side in all these countries, pushing to standardize and harmonize and so on. And, you know, the thing is that there's probably some point where that's like, you can argue that was net good, um, where it's something like, uh, you know, the, the whole romance of the three kingdoms thing. The empire long divided must unite, long united must divide. There's something good to like a global scalable uniform thing. That's what the app store is. That's what Google Play is. And then so you want to bring it back, bring it back to the, bring it back to the What's idea on, What's the concept? Of, of, yeah, on the regulators here. Right. So the prize would be, um, which is different than your normal thing, because it's not for technological innovation. It's for essentially the thing that's upstream of that would be uh, like the Pulitzer Prize, except it is for examples of regulatory abuse. So it, we're incentivizing reporters to dig deep and find 
basically there's a watchdog prize on regulators. Yes, because just to put put more, you know, like flesh in the bones here, more, more detail, um, regulators have something called the Douglas factors, which are like Miranda rights for federal employees. They basically can't be fired except if they bring the agency into disrepute. And what that means is anybody who's, you know, if you try to fire someone and you're within a regulatory agency, they don't get fired. They start, they start appealing. They're in the corner there. They're waiting. You know, they're telling everybody, oh, my God, you're so bad for trying to fire me. It's this huge process. Uh, and so essentially these folks can't be fired. They have tenure, okay, um, career tenure. They're anonymous. The, the, the U.S. media is not going after them or, you know, holding them accountable, quote, unquote. And they exercise enormous power over the entire world. And most citizens, you know, somebody in the Czech Republic doesn't even realize often that they're actually under the control of somebody in Silver Spring, Maryland, right? This is why, for example, with the vaccines, like we could have had the COVID vaccine within days. Moderna, you know, could have taken the sequence and turned into a vaccine. And we could have had challenge trials where healthy people could have volunteered to go and be exposed to the virus after first get the vaccine. And then in a monitored environment, be exposed to the virus and see if what happened. What biology is talking about here is that when in, when the virus was was uh, deciphered, was sequenced and sent from uh, Wuhan uh, to labs around the world, 24 hours later, Moderna had basically an mRNA vaccine designed. Yes. And and a challenge trial is the way you get very rapid data where instead of just, you know, you, you're basically going to give people the vaccine, you're going to expose them. And if it protected them, you know pretty instantly whether it works or not. That's exactly right. And so the thing is that basically, uh, you know, here's the timeline I have. Genetic sequence of the coronavirus on January 11th for the next two days, they, you know, plot out a vaccine and then you could synthesize it for, you know, um, so first Moderna shot uh, for te- to the NIH for testing on February 24th and volunteers arm March 16th. You probably could have gotten it even faster with these challenge trials. But here's the reason. Here's the interesting thing. Literally, the world spent trillions of dollars on lockdown and all these insane things because they didn't have the moral innovation up front to challenge the FDA's regulatory establishment. Right. Millions, millions of people died. Trillions of dollars were destroyed because the upstream thing that enough people did not distrust the FDA's judgment. That's the fundamental. That's the prize of prizes, right? Fundamentally, there's been much more investigative journalism on on Theranos. There's multiple documentaries made on that, but people, mm-hmm. you know, people don't know about all the ridiculous abuses at FDA. For example, the the fact that just as another example, during the pandemic, they held back EUAs, emergency use authorizations, for testing, which meant that people didn't know the extent of the pandemic since. There, there wasn't any testing. And actually, folks in Seattle, I believe, had to like do civil disobedience and had their lab go and test for COVID to show that it was actually on the loose in the U.S. And uh, that was something where they disobeyed the FDA and they could have like, you know, the FDA is the regulatory police. They could be thrown in jail for this. OK, so this is the, this is similar to NSFAUP delegitimize the FDA. Right. There's so there's actually if you want um, a whole set of wow. stuff. Right. <laughs> this is a. This- so listen, I'm not so sure about that last part. It's up to you. If you are in the medical profession, I'd love to know what you think about that. So definitely either comment on the Rumble channel or, you know, uh, you know, message me on Twitter at Kogs, K-O-G-Z. I'd be very, very curious. But the principle of the first part, which of the regulatory harmonization, the investigative journalism on the American regulatory state and 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 basically having accountability, having this Pulitzer Prize, right, on the FDA, 
so that they are not colluding with big pharma seems like a step in the right direction to incentivize journalists to become a watchdog, to have a watchdog prize on regulators seems like a good idea. And in fact, it definitely seems like a better system than we have now. I don't know if this is, I think it's just, listen, I'm just starting to pro propose solutions. That's all we need to do. We need to start floating ideas out there and making a better future, creating new systems, designing, you know, new regulatory bodies, new ways to manage things, you know, new ways to, to, you know, uh, be an efficient and collaborative and, and honest, authentic community to have the interests of the people, not just driven by profits and money and corruption. We need to, we need to look at things through a different lens. We need to start building new processes from the ground up. We need a great reset. <laughs> yeah. I'm not, no, I'm not a, I'm not a stooge for the world economic forum, but if they want a great reset, like they're trying to impose on us, well then let's do a great reset the way we, the people want to do it. Right. Maybe we do need to reset the entire system and build new from scratch. Maybe we can adjust and change the existing bodies, but let's start brainstorming. Let's start talking amongst ourselves because if we depend on the powers that be to create a better system, that ain't going to happen. They want to keep the centralized power in their hands. They don't want to fix anything. That's why accountability is still being avoided. That's the problem. We need to be able to expose this. We need, we are in the information age. If there's something we've learned in the past two years, we are definitely in the information age because you're able to get any information you want if you look through and you sift through the censorship, which is how you found this podcast, right? So we need new systems. That's a thought. I thought that was interesting. I'd be super curious to hear what you think. So again, we need to create new shit. That's it. Anyways, this is the hundredth episode of the Jonathan Cogan show. I'm super excited. We got exciting, exciting, ex super exciting stuff happening over the next uh, like two to four weeks, actually, or like literally the next four weeks. I got some amazing surprises coming. Seriously, I got some big, big, big stuff breaking. It's going to be super, super exciting. It's going to be super fun. It's going to be in the best interest of the people. It's just going to be us like we do every day together. And, and this is good. This is good. We had to go through this to come out stronger and better. This was needed, unfortunately. I think you could argue this was needed. This has been a ticking time bomb for decades. It just culminated right now. We need to fix the way our society functions. And that is an awesome opportunity and such an amazing time to be alive to be able to do that. How many generations get to fix society and civilization into better, more prosperous solutions? How often does that happen? How often do we have a great reset and you eat the bugs? No, you don't eat the bugs. But how many, it really is sort of like a great reset, but for the people, not, you know, for Klaus. And I think it's an amazing opportunity. I think there's a lot of stuff, you know, you can be angry about, you can be upset about. And trust me, I have all those emotions. I've had them for a long time and I'm sure you have too. But it doesn't do any good unless we start talking about solutions. That's my point. That's my takeaway. So let's start brainstorming. Let's do this. We're going to come up with stuff and then we're going to implement it and we're going to take action. Okay. And we're going to make things better. I'm telling you. I'm telling you, we have to. What's the alternative? There is no alternative. That's the point. All right. Thank you for joining me on the 100th, 100th episode of the John the Kogan Show. Please subscribe, Spotify, podcast. Please share with a friend, two friends, 10 friends. If you share with 4,000 friends, I'm not going to get mad at you.
I'm not going to get mad at you, but do what you want. I'm not here to impose anything on you. I want you to do what you want to do. That's the point of this podcast. I want you to be free. I genuinely want you to be free. If you don't want to listen to the podcast, don't listen to the podcast. If you want to share the podcast, share the podcast. It'd be awesome, but I'm not going to make you do it. That's it. So thank you so much for enjoy for joining me for a hundred episodes. If you've been here for a long, long time, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the bottom of my heart and go to patreon.com forward slash ownership economy. You can make a donation or you can keep listening for free. And no matter what, we're going to be friends until the end. That's it. Thank you so much. I love you. If no one told you today, you're important. You matter. You might be having a bad day. You might be having a bad night. I promise you, you can change that. I promise you, you actually control your thoughts and your actions. Those are the only two things you do control and you can make things better. Okay. Stop trying to control other people. It doesn't work so well. It's a bad strategy, terrible strategy. It's a failing strategy. I promise. Just try and control yourself. Try and fix your thoughts. Try and move yourself in the right direction and the world will bend to you in a positive way. So thank you for joining me for a hundred episodes. And until next time, I love you.